So Braden went eight and zero in his uh, one eighth round predictions. Pretty much, yeah. Um, I, I think I was right about one thing, which was well, two things. We thought that Mac was going to make the bronze medal match. I think we had consensus on that. Yes, I was. I the, think, her or her or uh, Alejandra. I didn't, yeah. I didn't go all in. Yeah, and also we had the uh, we had the prediction regarding the lady from the Russian Federation who uh, ended up as the silver medalist. Yeah, Osipova. Um, and you, Braden, called out, um, I believe, uh, you know, the archer from Italy that ended up winning the bronze medal. Yeah. So yeah. all in all, I think uh, between the three of us, we were fairly accurate with that outcome. Yeah, it was a successful podcast, I'd say. We all, we all got burned on King Jay Young, though. Yeah, yeah I don't know I don't... what happened with her. That was a mess. Uh, this is Easton Podcast number 144. I'm George Tekbachev here with Steve the... Big cat. Anderson and our special guest, Braden, the world champion, Galantine. Braden, thanks for joining us. Absolutely, guys. We had so much fun yesterday. I decided to do it again. <laughs> yeah. And for sure, it, uh, it was a lot of fun yesterday. And hopefully we'll bring back some of that fun as we prognosticate a little bit of the men. But uh, as folks heard, we are sort of debriefing what happened with the women's competition, the Matches yesterday were epic, guys. Uh, yeah, I think the weather was a little better. Oh, yeah. It was a little less cruel. And as a result, we saw some spectacular matches. They shot it well. I mean, there was, yes, the weather the weather played nicer. And we finally, finally got back to where we weren't seeing arrows in the, you know, blueberries and, and the occasional four and, and things like that. It was it was good shooting, and you could count on tens and and uh, you know twenty sevens, twenty eights, twenty nines. It was good scores. Yeah, and and to be sure, by the time you get to those brackets, you've already eliminated most of the shooters who are prone to shooting something out in the black. You know, uh, so you know just from that perspective, it certainly you know the 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 strainer has been applied to the pasta, as it were. Kind Our, of uh, in, a, in a windy. What I noticed was in, in the, like Brayden pointed out yesterday, sometimes you get in windy conditions, you get that person who sneaks in who shouldn't be there. Yes. And the, we, we didn't necessarily have, uh, you know, a bunch of that yesterday. So the cream, the cream was still rising to the top. Um, and then we got to actually see good shooters shoot their bow good. So that was fun. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Brayden, anything that stood out for you in particular? No, like you said, um, the, the quality of the archery was more what we would have expected because of the weather. And I think it allowed the cream to rise further to the top. And, and that's why our predictions were so strong going into the match. Or not predictions, our prognostications, our, our educated um, professional <laughs> figurings. Our, yeah. Our guesses. But, uh, <laughs> our guesses. Our guesses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, Braden, you know, it's interesting. Braden went eight and zero in his in his round of sixteen predictions. Well, as to be expected. And uh, by the way, Braden, I got some feedback from World Archery. They were impressed with your performance as well on that. So, oh, thank you so much. I, I thought that was nice. Um, let's look at some of these brackets. Uh, as you know, the quarterfinals started. The quarterfinals were really where the heat came on. Um, and uh, you know, I, I for me, the star of the show yesterday just from the standpoint of pushing things as far as they could go is certainly got to be Mackenzie Brown. Uh, and that's how it started out with Mackenzie versus Alejandra Valencia. They both started out with 27s. 
in their quarterfinal pass. Then they did it again, pair of 27s. Then Alejandra got the upper hand with a 30 to Mackenzie's 27. So now Alejandra is ahead. Uh, that would be uh, three to one. Oh, excuse me, three to two. Four to two. And yeah, let's back up. I'll, I'll put an edit in this one because okay. <laughs> I'm still working on uh, uh, my third cup of coffee and it's just not working yet. <laughs> anyway so we're at one to one after the first uh, set we're at two to two after the second set and then we are at four two after the third set in favor of Alejandra Valencia and then Mackenzie and Alejandra tie again I mean does it get any closer than this kind of match I don't think so so now Mackenzie's pretty much got to win this next set, and she does. She takes it 28 to 27, and now we've got a shoot-off. And both archers brought their best to the shoot-off. Mackenzie was just a skosh closer to center than Alejandra. Neither of them was an X exactly, but both of them were, you know, 9.5 to 9.3, and that was good enough for Mackenzie to find herself moving on and we'll, we'll talk about that but first the other quarterfinal um, was Ansan versus Deepika Kumari Ansan came out of the gate swinging hard Deepika never quite found her traction in my opinion guys what do you think Deepika in her previous match came out I think she went up 4-0 looked like okay she's you know she's on it today and she kind of lost that a little bit and and she made it through that match, but she never really found it again. And, uh, yeah, 27, 24, 24 for her three ends. It just wasn't – it wasn't great. No, and, you know, it looked to me like she was having some form issues. Uh, from my perspective, it appeared to me she never really had a solid anchor. And she was holding for a long time on some shots. Uh, to me, that's a confidence issue. What do you think, Braden? Right. I mean, there's the common saying in, like, the UFC and stuff that everybody has a game plan until they get hit in the face. And I think this was the first time in this games that she found herself behind both in score and mentally, you know, behind Ansan. And I think that that was probably what led to what you noticed with the lack of uh, loss of anchor and, and things like that. Yeah, I think you, you called it right there. I believe it was Mike Tyson that originated that saying, by the way, uh, everybody has a plan until they get hit in the face. But uh, yeah. So, you know, we saw some of that. And um, unfortunately, Deepika Kamari going out 6-0 against An San, which set An San up for the semifinal against Mackenzie Brown. Now, the other half of the field, <clears throat> we had uh, Kang Che Young, the Kang the Destroyer of Korea versus Elena Osipova of the Russian Olympic Committee team. Gentlemen, that did not go the way I expected. No, we all picked Kang. We all picked her. I, I, I think Braden and I picked her to win. Um, sure. To win gold. I mean, that and a very yeah. reasonable, reasonable pick. But yep. We didn't see that. Now, it's not that she shot all that badly to start with. Uh, you know, started out with a tie, 28 to 28. Not, not great, but not terrible. But then well, the wheels started coming off. Or shot good, you know. Yeah, That's well, and yeah, in, in that in that regard, I, I guess maybe the minor distinction is Kang shot terribly for a Korean on the next three sets <laughs> by those standards. Yes. 
right? Yeah, 25, drops, that doesn't play. No, Osipova drops a 29 on a 25. And Kang's looking unhappy. I mean, you know, you could visually see the look on her face. She was, I don't know if she was puzzled or what was going on there, but she definitely did not look comfortable where she was with what was going on. Next uh, set, set number three, Osipova drops a 27. Normally you'd think, okay, opportunity for Kang, doors open. Uh-uh. Kang only manages a 26. And now Osipova is in position to basically close the door on Kang's aspirations at these Olympic Games. Last set, the fourth set, Osipova drops a 29. Kang only manages a 27. It was, by any standard, a collapse, guys. I mean, uh, no other way to call it. No, I feel like Kang is an extremely solid shooter when she's ahead. I think it, it, what we saw here was uh, a realization of mortality, in my, in my opinion. Like, she, she saw that Osipova was bringing her eighth game and that she would need to step up or, or push or try to have more than she had in the tank. We, we saw a moment of it in her previous match when she had a chance to close out um, Yasmin in the third set, where she shot that 25 with three mystery high arrows, and you could see her come off the line with that same puzzled look. So I think it was just a combination of nerves, expectations, and just not having the A game on that day. Yeah, Very, uh, you use the word see. push. You know, you said she was pushing, and I think that's probably right. Sometimes, sometimes you get into a situation where – you know, now your competitor is shooting good scores, so you try extra hard to shoot good scores, and it ends up killing your shot timing or rhythm, you know, and it's, it's usually an over-aim type thing for me um, that, that hurts me. So I think that's probably probably the issue there. And uh, But, you know, uh, it is what it is, and, and uh, Osipova moves on. Well, Braden, you touched on something that's quite astute, and that is that uh, historically, if anybody would have a chance against a Korean woman who was, um, shall we say, shooting at the level that we expect when we see Korea step to the line, the only way to really beat them would be to get up on them early and not let them build momentum. Um, you can't really say Osipova did that, but she did match Kang. But after that, she did not let the pressure off. Right. And that was vital to that win. Uh, no question about that. Absolutely. Other... Just just keeping up with her that first end was enough to, to turn the tide. Agreed. And that, that set the tone for the rest of the match. And we saw the result. So uh, the last uh, quarterfinal was Lucilla Boati of Italy. She was up against Wu Xiaxing of China. Um, coming into this thing, both of them shooting pretty well. But again, uh, Miss Wu just not quite reaching the level of her opponent from Italy, who frankly had come into this looking potentially vulnerable, Miss Boari. Uh, but she didn't, she didn't show any vulnerability in this match. She started out with a 29, Miss Wu with a 27. So the first set goes to Miss Boari. Second set, 28 to 25. Now the wheels are starting to look like they might be coming off Wu Jiaxing. Uh, however, third set, Miss Wu turns it around, shoots a 28 to Miss Boari's 
27 and the arrows were real close. And then the final set, Lucilla shoots a 29. Her opponent only manages 27, 6-2 victory for Lucilla Bowari, who next will find herself in the semifinal up against Elena Osipova of the Russian Olympic Committee. So here are our semifinals. The tableau is set. Winners are going to shoot for gold. The winning impaired will be shooting for bronze. It's Anne San against Mackenzie Brown. And gentlemen, we got every penny that would have been charged for a ticket for this one. This was a spectacular match. And it started out with Mac shooting strong and putting a point up on Ann San for that first set. That is, I, I saw that and I'm like, this is going to be a match. What did you guys think when you saw this? Um, my reality is at that point I'd fallen asleep. So <laughs> when I, okay, so you don't I, count Braden, Braden, yeah, was attention. Right. When I pulled up the results. I was like, Holy smokes, you know, just, I mean, Mackenzie shot a, uh, she shot a 143 raw score, which is freaking impressive with a recurve on that stage. Sure. Right. They both got one right, right from the yeah, start. Did so, you have any thoughts? So Mackenzie started off 29, 28 and it was kind of, I'm not going to say it was a surprise to me, but it was best case scenario, obviously. Uh-huh. I think what happened with Ann San after that was she, she didn't get rattled, but she was kind of like, oh, all right, we're playing now. And she, she, you know, backed up the 30 and the 30. And it was yep. kind of like Mackenzie weathered the storm. She hung tight. Yep. She shot well. She did what she needed to do. And when Ann slipped in that fourth set, Mackenzie was able to jump back and tie it up. Yeah. And, yep. and she kind of, she did more than tie it up. She set the tone. She was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to see your thirties. Here's one of my own. And in and fact, then, that's exactly how it went. Yeah. Right. And that last end, they, they tied 28, 28, went to the shoot off and it's like, all right, at this point, it's anybody's game. And we couldn't be more proud of Mac. That was, that was now, so impressive. The thing to remember here is that in set number five, so Ansan has 28, 30, 30, 27, 28. Mac is 29, 28, 28, 30. If she shoots a 29, it's over. She shot an arrow, literally one and a half millimeters out of the 10 ring. So it could have been over right there. I sent you the photo. Yeah, very close. So close. I mean, so close that some judges in some countries would have actually called that one in. They would have been wrong. But they would have been wrong. I mean, I could see that it wasn't in, but, yeah. but, you know, but that was a margin of victory that was available to Mac. It's all you can ask for. Wind did pick up a skosh at that point. And the arrow was literally a millimeter and a half out. The, the arrow that would have ended Ansan's run for gold yeah. turned into a shoot off. And both shooters brought it, you know, just performed. However, Ann San, you know, absolutely performed in the shootoff. Mac shot well, but couldn't catch Ann San's 10. And, uh, you know, you look at that X that Ann San shot, 
and you just go, you know what? It's great that Mac had the, the, the intestinal fortitude to just stand up there and still deliver a great arrow. But at that point, that's when Mackenzie Brown knew she'd be shooting for bronze. And that is when, no doubt to the relief of Anne San, she was headed to the gold medal round. The other matches, um, we had Osipova versus Boari. Gentlemen, I did not expect this to go well for Boari when I saw her drop a 25. Osipova with a 27 to start. Osipova finishes with a 29 and a 27. Boari never broke 26. Not good enough. And I, quite frankly, was not expecting much from Boari in the bronze medal match against Mac after I saw that performance. Osipova finds herself in the finals against Ansan. Now we're into the bronze medal match. And things turned out somewhat differently, didn't they? Yes. And, you know, Max still came out shooting well. But if you look at Boari in the quarterfinals, 29, 28, 27, 29, that's going to win most every match. Yep. That, semi, that semi round, I think she realized I am, might shoot for Olympic gold and she probably froze a little bit. 25, yep. 26, 26. And then against Mac, you know, 28, 29, 28, 27, shooting winning, winning ends right there. And, and, uh, Max started strong, you know, but she just fell behind. She fell behind with two strong ends, which stinks both mentally yeah. and in reality. And uh, then she, she didn't close it the best, but you know, at that point it was going to be a tough comeback anyways. Yeah. To be fair, they actually tied on the first set 28 to 28. Uh, and then yes. Bowari delivered a 29 to max 28 on the third set. Mac faltered a bit. She shot a seven and, um, Boari hung in there with a 28. So 28, 25 final set was 27, 26 gentlemen. I submit to you that Mackenzie Brown provided the best performance of a USA born archer since 1976 and has nothing to be ashamed of. She performed truly in a way to make any American proud. 100% and, agree. And yeah. Congratulations to uh, Lucilla Boari. You know, Italy's got a great record of uh, bronze medals for their women. Um, and, you know, interestingly, did you notice who was standing in the coach's box for Italy? That was Natalia Voleva, one of the best archers in history. And uh, while she didn't win her Olympic bronze shooting for Italy, she was shooting for the uh, Coalition of Independent States, the, the remains of the Soviet Union at the time in Barcelona. Um, she is a legend in her, in her, you know, own right, uh, multiple world championships, multiple world championship medals, multiple Olympic medals to have Natalia Valeva in your coach's box. That's gotta be special. So the outcome was, uh, Lucilla Boari of Italy taking that bronze medal. Kenzie Brown will always be an Olympic finalist. Now we've got the gold medal match. Fellas, I honestly had no idea that Miss Osipova had the kind of potential she had to take it to Ansan as as well as she did. What did you think? It reminded me of 2017 at the World Championships when uh, Cheng Haijin was, you know, she was coming off of uh, Olympic Championship the year prior, and she she was shooting. She was one of the rare Koreans that wins the Olympics and makes the team the next year. You know, right. and, and she was shooting so well. And we kind of all figured, oh, this is this is it. But uh, 
2017 Perot, the Ksenia Perova beat her and beat her pretty, pretty soundly in uh, at World Championships to win gold. And it a little bit reminded me of that. And just watching Osipova shoot. Uh, at this point, I was awake again. So if anyone was wondering, uh, watching her shoot, I was like, man, this girl is shooting confident shots, you know, very strong. A, a few bad ones here and there, but she was pretty reliable throughout that match. But one of the things that impressed me was uh, just her tenacity. And then we actually saw Ann San start to falter a bit. You know, first set went 28-28. So that, that opens the stage with a one-to-one tie. Ann San comes on strong with a 30 to Osipova's 29. So Osipova did not just let down or let up or whatever. She just basically got outshot on that second set. But after that, things got sporty. Osipova shoots a 28 and San at 27. Osipova shoots a 29 and San a 27. Last set and San has to win the set or she's yeah. going to lose this gold medal. Yeah. We end up with, we end up with a, uh, a tie. And so we're at five, five and San with a 29 and Osipova with a 27. Now it's a shoot off. If you're if you're world archer, you can't ask for anything better than what those two ladies yeah. delivered from a show. No, gold medal shoot off. That's that's the uh, the ideal scenario right there for for uh, the broadcaster and for the governing body. You know, maybe not necessarily for the archers. They've they've put in. You know, some were saying they they shoot about two thousand arrows per week. That if that's the number, then you're looking at all right. They've they've had you know, 100,000 arrows in the last calendar year and who knows how many thousands since they made this Olympic team. And now it comes down to one, right? And that that kind of stinks, but that's the nature of the game. So we're in a shoot-off position and we're looking at a situation where we've got these two archers with one arrow on the line to decide the Olympic championship. The last time we had this happen, London, 2012. Ida Roman of Mexico versus Kibo Bay of Korea. Pair of eights now, in that one. Uh, it in fact was, but one was closer to center. Uh, you could argue that both of those archers, you know, you almost wanted to see a do over on that one. <laughs> I don't feel like winning with an eight. Yeah. <laughs> no. In this case, Ensign shot first, drops a 10 straight down the middle. Not an X, but a 10. So, daylight for Osipova. Braden, what did you think when you saw this situation develop? Okay, so when you're in that shoot-off in a situation to win a match, obviously there's two potential outcomes. You're either going to win or you're going to lose. And, I mean, while that's stating the obvious, to watch your opponent shoot and stuff a 10 when you have an opportunity to win a title like a world championship or an Olympic championship, Olympic gold, you're either going to see the archer push and shoot that X or you're going to see a week nine or an eight because they're they're trying so hard and, and – that pin has got to be either perfectly still or jittery. Like you're either going to see perfection or a big mistake. And it doesn't matter because you need that perfection to win. So you're pushing harder and it's probably 50, 50 at that point, which outcome is going to happen. And we arguably saw McKenzie deliver perfection in her shootoffs, but we didn't see that this time. Um, the archer from Russia, unfortunately, shot an eight and that was it game over. And I would say Ansan is a very deserving Olympic champion. She earned it, but Mac made her earn it gentlemen. 
And for that, I think she has a point of pride. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, I texted you about this earlier and I said, you know, I hope this is a shot of confidence and, and a shift for McKenzie to where she comes in and just starts crushing souls and, and creates a shift within our entire women's recurve team. Cause sometimes you, you need to see someone achieve something to, to really believe you can do it. You know, and now that you've got, you've got a whole slew of people who are close to, to Mac who just saw her, you know, make a great run at it. So hopefully we get a little shift in that in our women's team. You know, um, a couple of things before we start talking about the men quickly here. Uh, Mac spent some time back East um, and trained with Casey for a while, actually was working at Lancaster for a while. And I think that was very good for both her and for Casey, you know, and I think that helped her turn around because gentlemen, last year, Mac would not have been in a position necessarily to do what we saw her do to here. So the development she's shown, the trajectory she is on, I'm expecting good things out of her in Yankton later this year. I'm expecting a step forward in, in our entire women's team because of this result. Like you said, the added confidence, and, and you see this in, in our sport as well as others, when, when one member of a team has success, everyone else realizes that it's attainable. And if you're close, if you're on the cusp, seeing a friend or, or someone you're close with have that success really encourages and inspires you to get there yourself. And Absolutely. honestly, I'm really excited to see where our women's recurve can go with this point between Casey and Jennifer and the slew of others we have in the ranks behind. I'm just, I'm impressed and I'm optimistic. Steve, any thoughts on that before we start talking about the men? Uh, you know, nothing more than, than what I've, what I've said already. It was, you know, I, I Braden and I both know what it's like to finish fourth place at any event. And I will never forget the ones where I finished fourth place because it sucks. And, uh, you know, I hope, I hope McKenzie can get over that sting and, and build on it because she should be proud, you know, absolutely. She should be proud. And, uh, you always want more out of it, but he, she really did a lot for herself and a lot for, for the U S in terms of, uh, women's recurve archery. Well, gentlemen, I think we can all agree that was an epic display by all of the four finalists that we saw yesterday. Let's turn our attention now to the gentlemen's matches that will take place in approximately six hours as we speak right now. We have, I believe, another day of very interesting archery ahead of us, including the potential for some more upsets. Um, overview, starting with uh, Braden, what do you think is going to happen? All right, I'm going to preface this uh, right off the bat. Um, I'm not feeling as confident with my picks today as I was yesterday. So if anyone is sending these picks into their bookie, uh, I'm warning you ahead of time. But um, I think that the, uh, the level of competition we're going to see is going to be extremely high. I think a lot of the matches are very close to being 50-50. But I'm excited to watch. It's going to be entertaining. And I can't wait to see who, who shakes, out and, shakes out and wins. Yeah, I really agree with that point of view. Do you have some predictions you want to start with? Uh, sure. Um, do we want to run down together like we did yesterday? or? Yeah, I think we can do that. One, one thing I'd like to do, though, is point out and call out Florian Unruh as the, for me, but not for Steve, the unexpected standout performance so far. Having taken out little Kim, 
Kim D. Jok, seven <laughs> three in a spectacular performance. I mean, that was just unbelievable. What do you guys think? For sure, uh, that that's Florian's shooting great. He's confident. You can tell from his his comments, his quotes that he's been giving. Like he's he's ready. He's here. Um, I mean, Ite Shani as well. I, I, for me, he's the, been the standout. He was the 60th ranked archer and he's into the final 16 and I don't see his run ending here. Yep. I tend to agree. Uh, Steve, any thoughts real quick on the top before we go into the details? You know, just the, the standouts are the guys who weren't supposed to be there according to the rank. So yeah, you have uh, both Ite and Florian as well as uh, Marcus Dalmeida I'm trying to make sure, see what I've got elsewhere. You know, we who's have rocking, who's rocking an amazing mustache, by the way. Yeah, he looks dope. I think it's really cool. Um, other than that, I mean, those are the those are the guys that are kind of standouts. They they kind of shook up the bracket. We'll see who's got it today. You know, I don't know, Braden. What's the weather going to be like? Did you check? Yeah, I did. It's going to be very similar to the women's. Yeah, it's right, so uh, lucky that it's luck, It's lucky that this thing's not going into Sunday. Sunday is going to be really windy. So yeah, I think we're expecting pretty good flat light and moderate winds in the venue at Yumanoshima. Well, let's well, go let's, through each match and and give our predictions. What do you all say? All right. So in the one sixteenth, we saw Florian Unruh defeat Kim Di Jok, Little Kim, by seven three, and that puts him into the one eighth elimination round up against the winner of. And I'm going to say this. The guy has had some tremendous performances, but I'm not sure he's gone this far before. Crispin Duenas of Canada is in the one-eighth elimination round after, I would say, you know, a really very even match against Mohamed Rahman Shana of Bangladesh. You know, they were 17th and 16th. Uh, Mr. Shana, 17th. Mr. Duenas, 16th. Crispin Duenas brought it. Not, not huge scores on either side either. Uh, 25, 28, 29, 26, 26 for Crispin, 26, 25, 27, 27, 25 for Mr. Shana. But uh, 6-4 win for Crispin Duenas, putting him up against Florian Unruh of Germany for the 1-8th elimination. Um, just looking at the situation, I, I'm kind of inclined to agree with, with Braden. I think this is a very close, evenly matched kind of situation. And, uh, you know, the numbers say Crispin should do it but the performance says Florian's got every shot at this. What do you guys think? I, I completely agree with you. If, if we were looking at past results over the last five or 10 years and, you know, um, career, I would pick Crispin all day. But over recent form, I have Florian as a slight favorite in this match. Agreed. What do you think, Steve? That's probably the way to go. Um Watching Crispin shoot through the first couple rounds, he was definitely definitely the best shooter in the wind. But if that's going away, then I think Florian gets a, a bit of that edge back. I, I would call it a toss-up, even money. Uh, I'm gonna pick I'm gonna pick Crispin because I like him. Everybody <laughs> likes Crispin. Yeah. <laughs> and that's Florian's, not to say we don't like Florian. Florian's yeah, a good guy too. I just have to be of a, a good guy. He he married Lisa. Yeah. You know? And took her name. So how, how bad of a guy can he be? Come on. I just know Crispin better. So there it is. Fair enough. 
All right, next one. Uh, Dennis Gankin of Kazakhstan, who can be one heck of a spoiler, um, came up against Mauro Nespoli of Italy. Mauro's, by the way, shooting 62 pounds, which is an impressive number. And in the wind, you'd think maybe that'll be helpful. Uh, Mauro beat Dennis Gankin 6-2. Uh, so Mauro's in the one-eighth. And the other half of that is Marcus Delmeda, who steamrollered Patrick Houston of GBR 7-1, and then beat Chef Vandenberg in a pretty bittersweet thing to see. You know, basically, as far as we know, this might be Chef's last major international. Hopefully, maybe someday that'll change. But Marcus, 7-1 win over Chef Vandenberg uh, to find himself up against Mauro Nespoli. Guys, again, I think this one is a toss of the coin. If the wind's not blowing, the extra bow weight's not doing a thing for Mauro. Uh, Marcus may very well be coming into this thing with some great confidence after having beaten, um, you know, two pretty good shooters. I think that we're looking at a situation where I think I am seeing a little potential edge for Marcus, but like I said, could go either way. What do you think, Braden? Right. Like you said, this match is fairly evenly um, divided for skill. Um, and Moro's advantage of the 62 pounds isn't as big of a deal. Uh, this season's been pretty weird. The, this year, Moro's high score for qualification rounds is 689. So obviously that's something that he shot in fairly good conditions. Yeah, Marcus second highest score other, of his career, by the way. Right. Marcus's, on the other hand, is only in the mid-660s. But in the past, he shot up to the low 690s for qualification. So it's weird. He's, he's what I would like to call a match play specialist where even yep. if he doesn't qualify well, he's still going to find a way to put his three arrows closer than yours. Yep. I, I just, at the end of the day, I'm going to give the edge to the old guy, the guy in his thirties. Uh, Nespoli is my pick. Okay. Steve thoughts. I think Nespoli wins it going away. I, I don't think it's close. Okay. So then Nespoli would find himself up against either Florian or Crispin in the quarterfinals. If that uh, comes to pass. Hey, a pleasant surprise of these games. Um, I mean, you know, again, mixed feelings on this one because he beat a good friend of mine to get there. But uh, Itai Shani of Israel, the first archer to compete for Israel in archery at the games, but not the first to qualify. That goes to his coach. Um, we're looking at a situation where Itai Shani of Israel was able to beat Hiroki Muto of Japan 7-3 pretty decisively, I would say. Uh, Hiroki Muto, of course, the hero of Japan after shooting a clutch shot to win the bronze medal earlier in the week for the team round. But uh, no mercy from Itai Shani. He just uh, rolled over him, um, found himself up against Terendeep Ray. Now, if you told me that Itai Shani was going to beat Terendeep Ray, Terendeep Ray being ranked 37th, Itai Shani being ranked number 6060, I would say, no, that's not going to happen. But it did. And it happened in a shoot off. Itai Shani winning in a shootoff 6-5 with a 10 to Terendeep Ray's 9. Puts him in a pretty good position, in my opinion, at least from a momentum standpoint. What do you think, Braden? My pick for this match is, is Itai. I'm, I'm going to come out and say it right off the bat. He has the momentum on his side. He's got nothing to lose. And he's had two days now to completely reset his mind and, and focus on it. And I think, you know, he's got a huge advantage in his coach's box in Guy Matskin. I've always wanted to say this as a sports competitor, as a sports announcer, uh, Guy Matskin's extremely cerebral. He's one of the smartest guys out there. 
And I know that he's found a way to encourage and motivate Itai for this match. Not to mention, he's been shooting super solid in the matches, and he would have won against Tang in any set that he shot so far. I think he would have had a bit more of an advantage had they continued rolling through and shot this match on the previous day. Yes. But that said, I still think he's going to get it done. Absolutely agree with everything you've said. Steve, your thoughts? Well, Tang Chai Chun is obviously a much higher ranked archer. He he beat his teammate last round, his teammate uh, Wei Chun Hang. That said, like Brayden pointed out, uh, Ite's scores throughout this would have beat Tang. Um, my money, my money would go on Tang, but I think Ite has found something in the on the finals field. Sometimes you get out there, you get in a in a tournament situation. And you find a new way to do it, right? You find a different little feeling in the form or something that that you go, okay, this is how I make that happen. I'm making better shots when I do this. And I think he found that somewhere in the last, you know, in his last two rounds. And, yeah, Guy Matskin, really cool guy, funny guy, but very smart. I can only imagine he's a great coach. I want to see Ite win this. And I'm going to go with what I want. It's usually what I do. I'm going to pick Ite. No argument there. Uh, let's also understand that Tang Chisheng did something very similar to Ite in beating his teammate Wei Chun Heng in a shootoff with a 10 to a 9 on the last arrows. So both of these guys coming into this match with the same accomplishment from the standpoint of coming off of, of successful shootoffs. It's going to be interesting either way. Then we've got uh, the next bracket, which is Mohamed Karul Anwar of Malaysia finding himself having uh, defeated Wang Depeng of China. Uh, he beat Mr. Wang with an X to a nine in a shootoff. Now, I've been watching Karul for years on the Asian circuit. You know, I, I, go, to, I go to the uh, Asian circuit as a DOS and announcer just about every year. And so I've had a chance to see the whole Malaysian team, which has been, you know, setback by the untimely passing away of one of their star shooters. Uh, I think these guys have come into the games with a, maybe a mindset uh, thinking about their teammate and um, Mohammed Karul Anwar uh, definitely uh, just as good as some of these other guys. Uh, he is most certainly capable, except he has drawn a tough bracket. Uh, Let's look at that bracket, the other half. It's Pierre Plihon versus Jack Williams that started the, uh, the, the ball rolling on the bracket we're about to talk about when Pierre beat Jack 6-4. But then Pierre got beaten 6-2 by the other half of Muhammad's bracket, Kim Wujin, who is here with something to prove, gentlemen. And I don't think it's going to be an easy match for Karul Anwar Muhammad against Kim Wujin especially after what happened to Kim in Rio. What do you think? Yeah. So Kyrul, he's shot solid to get here. He's one in two shootoffs, but that's as far as I would go. I would say he shot solid. He definitely got lucky in his first match when Vikstrom's bow broke because all of the momentum at that point was for Vikstrom. Yes. But he was able to capitalize on that, not mistake that unfortunate circumstance and made a win. And then he created another win in his next match as well. 
but now he's going against arguably one of the best recurve archers of all time in Kim Jin. And I just, I don't quite see that moderately good, strong shooting winning. I think he's going to have to come in with nothing to lose if he wants to have a, you know, a shot at this and that mentality where it's either going to be an X or an eight. I don't care, but I need those X's. But that said, I, I see Kim Jin winning as the favorite. All right. So if that happens, we could be very well seeing Kim Jin versus Itai Shani of Israel. And if that happens, I predict an upset, gentlemen. I'm just calling it right now. Steve, what do you think? Um, I think Kim Jin wins this one, and I think he wins the next one, and I think he wins the one after that, and he gets in the gold medal match. All right. Bold prediction from Steve Anderson, but uh, quite frankly, not – not one I would not necessarily put money on. You're probably going to end up right, but it's why we play the game. The bottom half of the bracket has Atnu Das, who had taken out the legend, Ojin Hyuk, in the 116th in a shootoff. I hope this is not the last time we get to see Ojin Hyuk shoot. After being eliminated in the 116th, Ojin Hyuk did not acknowledge did not acknowledge to the reporters that he was retiring. He specifically did not acknowledge that. So it's my hope that with only three years to London, we just might see the Valentino Rossi of our sport keep going. But he did get beaten by Atnu Das. And Atnu Das had beaten Deng Yucheng of Chinese Taipei in the 132nd, 6-4. He beat Ojin Hook 6-5. It took a shoot-off to do it. Uh, he's up against one of the finest shooters at this event who beat El Abuelo, Luis Alvarez, Takaharu Furukawa is who we're talking about. Takaharu beat Luis decisively, 7-3. And then he beat one of your favorites, Steve, Gis Broxma of Netherlands, 6-5. But again, it took a shoot off, 10-9. It's Atnu Das versus Takaharu Furukawa. What do you guys think is going to happen? Okay, so first off, I'm going to just tip my hat to O. He's had an amazing career, and like you said, I, I hope this isn't the last time we see him compete, but I'm fairly certain we'll see him later this year in a competition. Yeah. So, in Yankton, yeah. In Yankton, yeah. Um, Das was incredible. He held his own. He stayed as relaxed as possible. He delivered arrow after arrow when he needed to. I don't see that ending in this match. I see the, with the better weather, I only see his level increasing. Um, Takaharu's got, he's got the home crowd. He, well, not, he doesn't have the home crowd. He's got the home venue. <laughs> the he's spirit got, is there. <laughs> the spirit is there, right. He's, he's representing his nation at the games in his home country. And that, that says a lot for personal motivation. And I think this is going to be a very, very close match. Um, but I, I don't see Das losing it based on his form and the and the confidence that he must have after taking out O. Steve, your thoughts? I think this is hardest match to call. Um, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Das. I think uh, Furukawa will make it tough, but I think Das will find that next gear that he needs, and I, I think he'll. Uh, I think he'll end up in a medal match. I believe that Furukawa is going to go all the way here. 
whichever one of these guys wins will be in a medal match. I think they'll be in the bronze match. All right. I think Furukawa will be shooting for gold in Japan, and I think he'll have a decent shot at winning it. We'll see what happens. Uh, the next pass uh, was in the next uh, 1-8th elimination pass. It's going to be uh, Li Xiaolun of the People's Republic of China. Uh, he'll be up against Ilfat Abdulin of Kazakhstan. The Kazakhstan boys are giant slayers historically. They, they can do very well. Uh, Mr. Lee, to a degree, is an unknown quantity. The numbers that he's put down in admittedly difficult conditions are general, generally not impressive, okay? 25, 27, 24, 28, 25. 26, 26, 29, 25, 25. That's the, you know, the 132nd and the 116th sets that he has shot. So by any measure, you'd go, eh. But pretty similar numbers from his opponent in the 132nd. It's in the 116th that Mr. Abdullin started to uh, open up the gas. 26, 29, 28, 28, 27. Just based on the numbers, Mr. Abdullin should run away with this one. What do you think, Braden? That's what I'm seeing as well. Um, I, I think that Abdullin's gonna gonna take the match. When you look at the ranking, it, it tends to tell you a different story. But um, yeah, eleven for gonna... Mr. Lee and twenty-seven for for Mr. Right. Abdullin. But you know, you got to look at the fact that they shot in similar circumstances. Mr. Lee just did not deliver sets that were anywhere close to his Mr. Abdullin by the one sixteenth. One hundred percent, I agree. I, I see Abdullin getting through. And Abdullin got past Steve Weiler, uh, while Mr. Lee did not have that level of shooter to deal with. Exactly. He's already been tested under nerves in these situations. And at this point, as a competitor, I feel like you're almost going into it as a free roll. You're in the top 16. Anybody could win. And everybody's going to come out with their foot on the gas. I, I see Kazakhstan moving forward. Excellent point. Steve, what do you think? I'm going to go another direction. Uh, I think Abdulin was was a beneficiary of the, the bad conditions. I'm not sure he has the horsepower to win if it's calmer, more of a shooting match than a you know a win survival match. So I'm going to go with Lee in this one. But it, it's uh, I've got both of them. It's all for naught. You know they're going to move on one more round and and then. Uh, they're going to fall to either Tanu Das or Takaharu Furukawa. Yep, agreed. I I have felt from the beginning that Mr. Furukawa is in a good bracket for that, if he can get past Das. Taylor Worth of Australia has been a giant slayer in his own right, uh, historically. Um, I won't say that he's been highly tested here so far. Uh, in his first pass, he had to go up against a shooter from Indonesia, who he beat 6-0 in straight sets. And then he came up against an opponent from China um, who also beat his opponent 6-0 in straight sets. Taylor Worth beat Wei Xiaosheng of People's Republic of China 6-4. But Taylor's in trouble, in my opinion, gentlemen, because his opponent is somebody that, all joking aside, could go all the way here. And that is Meta Gazots of Turkey. First, uh, you know, to get there, Meta had to get past Ryan Tayak, the indoor world champion. Uh, Ryan had beaten Nicholas Demore, the highly talented 
youth from the U.S. Virgin Islands. Ryan beat him in a shootoff. Then Ryan got taken out by Meta pretty decisively, 7-3. Meta had uh, sort of sharpened his steel, beating Jeff Hankels of Luxembourg, 6-0. Uh, Meta rolled over Ryan Tyak, 7-3. When it comes down to Meta Gazos versus Taylor Worth, if the Meta of two days ago is coming on the field today, it's going to be game over. What do you think? I, I see the exact same outcome as you. Um, Meta seems like he's on form right now. He's qualified well. He shot well at all the events at the World Cups this year. Uh, Taylor has been a little bit streaky at times. He's we we know he's capable of of winning this match, but I just I don't see it in the cards right now. Steve. I know that well, Meta is all, all joking aside. Meta really is one of your favorite shooters. Uh, yeah. What are your thoughts? Well, Meta, also known as Meat, was far and away. When you and I were watching his his rounds, we were we were like, this guy's on another level right now. He was uh, he was just shooting better than everybody. And I don't well, have in, the, in honor of your nickname for him. Every time he'd shoot a certain score, I'd say fillet, fillet, and chuck. You know, Chuck that's 10-10-9. Yeah. But then he he served up a filet, filet, filet with sauce bernays on the side and a side of roast asparagus. Yeah, I, I think mean, Chuck that, steak's more like 7-8 ring. You should yeah, have okay, thrown maybe. in like sirloin in there. I count I count flank as being 7-8 ring. But the All point right. is, meat shot well. I mean, yeah, shot he looked, really well. He looked like... Let's see. In those conditions that were tough, he was shooting like what I expect guys are going to shoot today. Yeah. Um, you know, with with better conditions, he was just visually he was the best out there by far. Um, and super calm looking too. Yeah, and he's just cool. You know, he does that thing where he does like the the drawn fist under his chin after he wins, and he's kind of made that his thing. I think it's his joke, but he's just he's owning it. Yep. He looked he looked really good. It's a shame they didn't have a team with him because I think he could have carried a team. Uh huh. You know, in this particular Olympics, but totally agree. I've got him. I've got him winning this match for sure. Mm-hmm. Braden, I will say that uh, I believe we're going to see Professor Doctor or Erdner particularly proud today. I'll just leave it at that. I think Meta is going to do good things for Turkey. Absolutely. With that said, gentlemen, the next one is a kind of no-win scenario, right? I, and at the same time, no-lose scenario. It's Jacob Wookie of the United States of America versus Brady Ellison of the United States of America. However it goes, USA is going to be okay. But um, – I would say that neither one of those two had particularly difficult guys to deal with, with the exception of Wookie. Uh, Jacob Wookie had to get past the guy who beat David Barnes of Australia, Rial Salsabila, who happens to be the same Rial Salsabila, who had a different name, Agatha, at the Rio Games, who happens to be the guy who crushed Kim Woo Jin's hopes at the Rio Olympics. So Jacob Wookie beats this guy 6-5 in a shootoff. Pretty impressive to get into this bracket. 
Brady Ellison was not as challenged, shall we say, with straight set victories over a shooter from uh, Iran and a shooter from Indonesia. So it's Brady versus Wookie. What do you guys think is going to happen here? All right. So like you said, this is a no win, no lose situation. The U.S. is going to have an archer moving on into the one eighth, regardless of the outcome. If we look at the scores from the 132nd and the 116th, I put the advantage in Wookiee's favor. In the in the 132nd, he would have been Brady only shot three matches, so we don't have a huge sample, three ends, so we don't have a huge sample to look at. The match would have been 3 3. And in the 116th, Wookiee would have had the advantage and he would have been up 5 1. So you, you can't really put you know the matches together like that because they're not shooting against each other obviously but if you look at the scores over the sample we have the results speak that Wookiee's got a shot at it that said this year they've shot against each other four times between events in the states and the trials and Brady's won all four so while I Wookiee can be you know uh he can be difficult to shoot against he can he can be disarming at times because he's such a nice guy and he's tenacious um, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so I, I just I see Brady moving through probably at a 70-30 clip. Okay, Steve. Um I look at this and I think, all right, Wookie is primed for an upset. And in this scenario where they're comfortable with each other, you have you have two things that can occur. One, the underdog is comfortable, so they go out and they shoot without fear. Because they, they know that person, you know, they, they understand them. They're not a scary person to them. The other scenario is Brady says, I'm big brother and I'm going to win this one. Like, thanks. Thanks, little bro. But big bro's taking this one. So it's hard to it's hard to say exactly what's happened, what's going to happen. I think Brady's or uh, excuse me, Braden's analysis of 70, 30 in favor of Brady is probably probably pretty accurate, you know, Um obviously I don't want to act like I'm playing favorites here, but I'm going to play favorites. Say I hope Brady moves on because I want to see Brady have success at these games. So I'd be genuinely happy to see either one of these guys move on. The, the problem is going to be coming up against Metica Zos, and I'm yeah, not even sure be, if I have any idea how that will go. I just that's don't going know. to be their, their toughest. That might be their toughest match the rest of the way, even tougher than if one of them gets all the way through and runs into uh Kim Woo Jin, Jin let's say, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. I, yep. Yeah. Meta is going to be very tough. Meta is going to be very tough. And uh, again, Meta could go all the way. So could Brady. And I think Jacob would certainly bring it as well. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. Either way, um, I think a bit of a shock that Korea only has one guy left. Would you agree, gentlemen? For sure. Uh, they still do have a shot at winning all five golds. Sure. And I, I, at this point, I am going to speculate. I, I do see it happening. I think Kim Woo Jin has a, a bit of a chip on his shoulder at this point in the games. And I, I see him going out and showing us a level for him that we still haven't seen at an international competition, which is saying a lot. I think he's going to find an extra gear today. Steve? Yeah, it is a surprise that, that they aren't there, but you know, Atanu Das is a good shooter. He you know, he upset Mr. O. That's not a huge surprise. Uh, Lil Kim being out caught me off guard. I expect to see Lil Kim 
running all the way, very much the same as Anson did, going wire to wire. So, yep. But like Braden said, I people talk about this games being critical, like Brady's legacy and things like that. But for Kim Woo Jin, it's very much the same. I mean, the guy has a resume that's unbelievable. Two-time world champion, first guy to shoot a 700. But he he keeps getting bounced at the Olympics in the individual rounds. And uh, you know, for him, this is going to be this is going to be a fairly critical finals day and i i think he's gonna do it he you can easily sleep on a guy like him because you're thinking about all brady's on the other side and meta's on the other side but he's gonna be tough to beat i think gentlemen i believe that you've done the very best you can with the information we have right now proof will be in about five and a half hours as we speak as the final round of the Tokyo Olympic Games, the long-awaited, one-year delayed games, finally gets underway. I'll say this. No matter who wins, they will have earned it. Yeah, coming out of this, this final men's bracket is not maybe who we expected, but it's still not going to be easy for anybody. You know, there's going to be the the Cinderella stories that are shooting well right now, and then the, the old favorites that are going to be bringing everything they've got as well. Braden Galantine, Steve Anderson, I want to thank both of you for taking the time to uh, give us your insight, your analysis, and uh, hopefully we can, we can round each other up one more time for a final debrief uh, after the games. And uh, I just, again, really appreciate Braden taking the time to join us. Thank you so much for that, sir. Oh, absolutely. I just, we had such a good time yesterday and I'm, I'm really honored that you guys thought of me to, uh, to be the a guest host and uh, I look forward to it in the future. Awesome. Steve, any closing thoughts before we go? Um, no, I have nothing I'm thinking about right now. You know, we, I think we all have some brain fog from being up till 3am and then, you know, coming into work and stuff. So, so you're not you're not going to acknowledge that you're wrong about target quivers, considering that everybody on that podium yesterday had a target quiver. Hey, Braden, do you wear a target quiver or a field quiver? Honestly, when I see somebody with a target quiver, I think that they're either a recurve shooter or they're a little off. <laughs> End of show. <laughs> <laughs>